It's February 17th. This is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and we are making our way through the Bible, reading from the Old Testament, the New Testament, the book of Psalms, and the book of Proverbs. We are currently in the book of Leviticus, which is the third book in the five books of Moses, the Torah, and we are also in the Gospel of Mark. As we read through the Bible, we recognize in the New Testament that Jesus is the lawgiver and the law keeper. He is the one who gives the law of the Sabbath. He is the one who fulfills the law of the Sabbath and keeps the law of the Sabbath and offers rest. He's the one who plucks corn on the Sabbath. He is the real thing. He talks about the new wine and the new wineskin and the new relationship that we have with God through faith in his work as our great high priest and as our perfect once and for all sacrifice for sin. What a great savior we have. What a great reconciler. So I want to encourage you to keep reading through the Bible even when it gets tough. Yesterday when we started to read the book of Leviticus, we understood its uniqueness. It is not a storybook. It's a user's manual for the people of Israel, instructing them how they are to relate to the holiness of God manifested in the tabernacle. The book of Leviticus gives us a vocabulary by which we can understand the gospel of our salvation, which will one day be spelled out in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We learn the principle of substitution through the innocent animals representing Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We learn the principle of identification with the offerer, that is the priest, being identified with the offering, the substitutionary sacrifice. We learn the various facets of atonement in the five major offerings of chapters 1 through 5. So let's continue to read, beginning with Leviticus chapter 4 and into chapter 5, where we learn of the sin offering and the trespass offering. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1, Laws for Sin Offerings. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If anyone sins unintentionally, and any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord as a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before the Lord. And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting. And all the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all the fat of the bull of the sin offering he shall remove from it, the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver, that he shall remove with the kidneys, just as these are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering. But the skin of the bull, and all its flesh, with its head, its legs, its entrails, and its dung, all the rest of the bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place, to the ash heap, 
and shall burn it up on a fire of wood. On the ash heap it shall be burned up. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they do any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, and they realize their guilt, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering, and bring it in front of the tent of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall bring some of the blood of the bull into the tent of meeting, and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar that is in the tent of meeting before the Lord, and the rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and all its fat he shall take from it and burn on the altar. Thus shall he do with the bull. As he did with the bull of the sin offering, so shall he do with this. And the priest shall make atonement for them, and they shall be forgiven. And he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it up as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. When a leader sins, doing unintentionally any one of all the things that by the commandments of the Lord his God ought not to be done, and realizes his guilt, or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring as his offering a goat, a male without blemish, and shall lay his hand on the head of the goat, and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering. And all its fat he shall burn at the altar, like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. So the priest shall make atonement for him, for his sin, and he shall be forgiven. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally, in doing any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, and realizes his guilt, or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill the sin offering in the place of burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar, and all its fat he shall remove, as the fat is removed from the peace offerings, and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, and the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish, and lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove, as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on top of the Lord's food offerings. And the priest shall make atonement for him, for the sin which he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. Leviticus chapter 5 if any one sins, in that he hears a public adjuration to testify, and though he is a witness, whether he has seen or come to know the matter, 
yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. Or if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether a carcass of an unclean wild animal, or a carcass of an unclean livestock, or a carcass of unclean swarming things, and it is hidden from him, and he has become unclean, and he realizes his guilt, or if he touches human uncleanness, of whatever sort the uncleanness may be, with which one becomes unclean, and it is hidden from him, when he comes to know it, and realizes his guilt, or if any one utters with his lips a rash oath to do evil or to do good, any sort of rash oath that people swear, and it is hidden from him, when he comes to know it, and he realizes his guilt in any of these things, when he realizes his guilt in any of these, and confesses the sin he has committed, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat, for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin. But if he cannot afford a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed, two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest, who shall offer first the one for the sin offering. He shall wring its head from its neck, but shall not sever it completely. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, while the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. Then he shall offer the second for a burnt offering, according to the rule. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. But if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he shall bring as his offering for the sin that he has committed a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, and shall put no frankincense on it, for it is his sin offering. And he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take a handful of it as its memorial portion, and burn this on the altar, on the Lord's food offerings. It is a sin offering. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed in any one of these things, and he shall be forgiven. And the remainder shall be for the priest, as in the grain offering. Laws for Guilt Offerings The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If any one commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock, valued in silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for a guilt offering. He shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing, and shall add a fifth to it, and give it to the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. If anyone sins doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then realizes his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock, or its equivalent, for a guilt offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake that he made unintentionally, and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. So our reading today in the book of Leviticus reminds us that sin is a big problem and it needs to be dealt with in the sight of God. The tabernacle and its services give us a picture of what God requires in order for his presence to dwell among us. You may remember that we have an outline for the book of Leviticus in that the Lord spells out his terms for personal holiness 
in our worship before the Lord in the Tent of Testimony in chapters 1 through 10, in our personal holiness, the Tent of Our Bodies in chapters 11 to 15, the Tent of Our Social Lives in chapters 17 to 27, and in between the section dealing with the Tent of Our Bodies and the Tent of Our Social Lives, that is, between the section on our personal holiness and our relational holiness, there is the important chapter on the Great Day of Atonement, representing an all-encompassing offering that puts away sin in chapter 16. The book of Leviticus tells us what God requires for holiness. It also teaches us that we don't have what God requires. The tabernacle was a schoolteacher pointing out the need for the detailed beauty of Jesus' offering on our behalf in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. We do not have the devotion pictured by the burnt offering, the submission pictured by the meal offering, or the fellowship pictured in the peace offering that we need to bring pleasure to God. We can be accepted by God only through His provision of a perfect substitute. This is why the New Testament points out that by God's doing, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, believers are hid with Christ, in Colossians 3, 3, identified with Christ, baptized into Christ, in Romans 6, verses 1 to 10, positioned in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, that is, our answer, our sufficiency, and He has been made to be for us our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. The perfect devotion of Jesus is our burnt offering. The Father is perpetually mindful of the sweet-smelling sacrifice of His obedience. The obedience of Jesus, the last Adam, undid the damage of the disobedience of the first Adam. The perfect submission of Jesus is our meal or grain offering. He learned obedience through the things that He suffered in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. He sanctified Himself on our behalf. He went through the fire for us. He was tempted at every point, yet without sin. He allowed himself to be crushed like grain into fine flour. In Leviticus 2, verse 14, He was crushed for our iniquities. In Isaiah 53, 5, Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. In Hebrews 12, verse 3, Jesus is not only our burnt offering and our meal offering, he is our peace offering. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Without Christ, there is no way that we can have true fellowship with God or with one another. Through our being identified with Jesus Christ, we have access to God, are brought to God, and are granted the same fellowship privileges He has in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. The sweet-smelling sacrifices, that is, the burnt offering, meal offering, and peace offering, are perpetually remembered by God. They represent the positive side of the atonement, Christ's all-sufficient merit, being credited to us. The laying of hands on the sacrifice, in this case, speaks of all the virtues of the sacrifice being transferred from the innocent substitute to the offerer. The next two sacrifices, the trespass and sin offering, are different. They are not sweet-smelling. They are designed to cover sin and point to the once-and-for-all sacrifice of Christ on the cross that will put away sin, once and for all. The transference goes the other way. The guilt of the transgressor is transferred to the innocent substitute. 
these sins are perpetually forgotten instead of being perpetually remembered, as were the sweet-smelling sacrifices representing Christ's virtues. Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, verse 25, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 44, verse 22, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Micah 7.19 He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities under our foot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 38.17 Lo, for my own welfare I had great bitterness. It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Isaiah 55.7 The Lord abundantly pardons. So let us thank God that the Lord chooses to forget our sins. He doesn't count our trespasses against us in 2 Corinthians 5.19. He remembers our sin no more in Jeremiah 31 verse 34 in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 and chapter 10 verse 17. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Let's review what we've learned about the sin offering in chapters 4 and 5 of Leviticus. If a person sins unintentionally, in Leviticus 4.1, and they will, if the anointed priest sins, in verse 3, and they will, if the whole congregation commits an error, in verse 13, and they often do, when a leader sins, in verse 22, and they do, if any one of the common people sins unintentionally, that is, make mistakes, in verse 27, and they will, they are to bring an offering to the priest at the tabernacle when they become aware of it. In the case of the priest, or the congregation as a whole, they are to bring a bull to be killed before the Lord, whose blood is to be sprinkled seven times before the veil that seals off the holiest of all. Some blood is to be applied to the horns of the altar, and all the remaining blood is to be poured out at the base of the altar of the burnt offering. The fat is to be burned on the brazen altar, Then the body of the bull is to be taken outside the camp and burned on wood with fire. In the case of a leader sinning unintentionally, when they are made aware of their guilt, he shall take a goat, a male without defect, lay hands on it, and kill it before the Lord. The blood then is to be put on the horns of the brazen altar and then poured out at the base. The fat of the goat is to be burnt on the brazen altar. No mention here of the priest dipping his finger and sprinkling the blood seven times before the veil or the carcass being taken out of the camp. Yet the good news is that he will be forgiven, in verse 22. In the case of any one of the common people sinning unintentionally, when they are made aware of their sin, they are to bring a female goat, in verse 28, or a female lamb, in verse 32, without blemish. The blood is put upon the horns of the altar and the remaining is poured out at the base. The fat from the goat is to be a burnt offering and gives a quieting, soothing, and tranquilizing aroma to the Lord. In verse 31, If a person cannot afford a lamb, they can bring a dove or a pigeon. In Leviticus 5, 7, Or he or she is so poor that she cannot bring birds, they can bring a tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. In Leviticus 5, 11, No one is infallible, whether they be priest, leader, or common person, rich or poor. All need a sin offering, 
and need to deal with guilt God's way when that sin is made known to them. In 1 John 1 verse 9, God's way of dealing with sin is for the sinner to acknowledge his or her sin and trust in our blessed Savior and His perfect sacrifice on our behalf. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are to walk in the light. When the light shines on our lives and brings awareness of our sin, we are to deal with sin properly. We are to confess. This word confess, homo logeo in the Greek language, literally means to say the same thing. To confess is to say the same thing that God says about our sin, that sin is an offense to Him, and that, for that offense, the blood of Christ was shed. In 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. The sin offering deals with sins that are committed without one even being aware of their guilt, at the time, and speaks of redemption in general. In chapter 5, verse 14, through chapter 6, verse 7, we read about the guilt offering. The guilt offering, sometimes called the trespass offering, is for those specific sins, intentional or unintentional, resulting from the scheming of our deceitful hearts. It involves a ram without defect being slain and offered for his or her offense before the Lord. It also involves restitution being made to the offended parties in verses 16 and 17. This involves rectifying every possible wrong. The thief is to give back more than what was stolen, a fifth more. Now let's go to the New Testament reading in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through chapter 3, verse 7. We start with Jesus calling Levi, that is Matthew, the same as we see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Verse 13, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, 
Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3 Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. So our reading in the New Testament began with Jesus calling the tax collector Matthew, otherwise here known as Levi, to follow him. Matthew was despised by the Pharisees due to the company that he kept and his job, which involved collecting money for the Romans. Matthew soon opens his home for guests, and the religious leaders ask the disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? In hearing this, Jesus said to them in verse 17 of chapter 2, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is good news to those who humble themselves and recognize that they have been gripped by the disease of sin and need a Savior. The next question is also revealing. The Pharisees wonder why the disciples of Jesus do not fast like their disciples or the disciples of John. Jesus replies that the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast because they need to be doing what the bridegroom is doing. Jesus is making known that He is Israel's bridegroom. Isaiah 54.5 The Pharisees, as custodians of the revelation of Scripture, should have recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. Religious piety is no substitute for being in fellowship with God. Are we taking our cues from the living Jesus according to the witness of the Scriptures, or are we leaning on our own understanding, taking our cues from tradition or from religion or our own habits that are detached from real engagement with God? Is Jesus our focus today? What would He have you do? Feast if He is feasting. Fast if He is fasting. It's not what you do, it's who you do it with, and you follow Jesus. Jesus gives the parable of new things. The new patch requires a new cloth. The new wine requires new wineskins. Attempting to bind the newness of the gospel, by which we are accepted by God in the righteousness of another, that is Jesus, to an old religion, where we are trying to gain acceptance before God by our own works of righteousness, that's as futile as trying to patch an old garment with a new untreated piece of cloth. The new wine of the gospel cannot fit into a rigid religious system of self-redemptive, self-justifying religious works. The grace of God offered us in Christ is incompatible with the idea that people can be made right with God by externally conforming to religious standards 
and by merely practicing moral or religious principles. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He irritated the Pharisees further by plucking corn on the Sabbath day. Jesus was acting lawfully. In Deuteronomy 23, verse 25, When you enter your neighbor's standing grain, then you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not wield a sickle in your neighbor's standing grain. The Pharisees perceived that he was violating the Sabbath by reaping corn. In Exodus 34, verse 21, You shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest you shall rest. Like David, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1-6, to Jesus ate corn and gave it to his disciples in good conscience. They both discerned the intent of the law, the intent of what was written. Jesus was the author of the law, and he knew what the Sabbath meant and what the Sabbath was for. He invented it. Notice how Jesus responded to his critics. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The author of the law is the authority on the law. And we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He is our Sabbath. He is our rest. So let's go to the book of Psalms now and read together Psalm 36, verses 1 to 12, and sing of his steadfast love. And reading our psalm today is Gabe Ellis Ferrara. To the choir master of David, the servant of the Lord, transgression speaks to the wicked, deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes, that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. This psalm contrasts the steadfast love of the Lord with the troublemaking ways of those who fail to recognize who He is and their need for Him. The righteous character of God is contrasted with the foolish habits of those who do not know Him. For example, how foolish it is to think that we can hide our sin from God for the scriptures tell us that our sins will find us out, Numbers 32:23. The estimations of the person who does not know God are faulty, and his self-righteous boasting is foolish. He's an expert in rationalizing good reasons to do evil. The big question is, where do you put your trust? Do you put your trust in the wisdom of men, so self-centered in its habits, perverse in its estimations, and foolish in its boastings? 
or will you trust in the righteousness and steadfast love of the Lord? How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. In verse 7, this psalm contains a verse that I have written on the flyleaf of my Bible. Verse 9 says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. This reminds me of the quote from C.S. Lewis, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. The Proverbs of Solomon A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. This proverb contrasts those who do right in the eyes of God and those who are foolish. Be wise, be right with God, think right with God, and do right with God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for giving us insights into your holiness as we read the book of Leviticus. Our estimation of your beauty and grace increases as our understanding is enlightened by your word. We thank you once again that your word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we have perceived his glory, your glory, Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord, full of grace and truth. Because of him, your plan to tabernacle among us will be fulfilled. Thank you for calling us into fellowship with your Son, the Lord of the Sabbath. When we do life together with him, we are at rest. We ask that you keep us abiding in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us on our Bible reading journey. If this podcast is a blessing to you, or if you have any questions or comments, you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a free written copy of each day's commentary on the one-year Bible readings of the day with charts, illustrations, and maps, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can also learn about New Life's ministries, download free growth tools such as how to know God personally. And don't forget to subscribe or follow this one-year Bible tour guide wherever you get your podcasts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom. Shalom.